0: This is Basketball You
1: on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN One Thousand, and the ESPN Chicago app.
0: Welcome into the Basketball You podcast. I'm Tyler Rocky. We're with you two times a week here on this feed on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe. That way, you get the latest episodes right. To you whenever they are released. Usually on a Monday and then on a Thursday or Friday, we'll get them out to you guys. What a great week we just had of college basketball. Feast week, one of my favorite weeks of the year. I talked about it on the last episode with Kevin Sweeney from SI.com and just going through some of the best weeks on the college basketball calendar. Feast week's one that maybe people don't think of as much because of everything that's going on in the NFL and college football at the time, but certainly one of my favorites on the calendar every single year. So we will recap Feast Week and all of the great upsets that we saw. What a week of basketball, whether it was the PK-85, Battle for Atlantis, Maui, we saw some excellent, excellent games. So we will dive into all that in just a little bit. We've also got the Big Ten ACC Challenge starting up today. So Brian Hanley and I will deliver our picks. We did not do any picks last week? Just because it's really tough with Feast Week, you don't know who's playing who necessarily. So we didn't do any of the picking yester on last week's episode. Um, but we will start with the Big Ten ACC Challenge for this week. So looking forward to doing all of that with Brian in just a little bit. But first, let's dive into what we saw over the week and over the weekend. I want to start with the PK-85, the Phil Knight Invitational, the Legacy, and then the Invitational side. So it's two different tournaments technically, but it's one great event altogether. And let's start with the winners of the Legacy bracket, and that is the Purdue Boilermakers. I mean, I don't see this coming out of Purdue this season. Losing Jaden Ivey, losing Trevion Williams... And right out of the gate, in the PK-85, they look unstoppable. So Purdue now 6-0. And in the PK-85, they pick up a win against West Virginia in dominating fashion. They beat them 80-68. They crushed Gonzaga, 84-66. And then they crushed Duke, 75-56. Zach Yeadie, phenomenal in the final. He has 21-12. and Uh, The man amongst men is what he is. And he is looking like a player of the year candidate right now. Averaging about 22 points and 12 rebounds to go along with almost three blocks. And all of this in less than 30 minutes per game. Purdue looks really, really strong right now. They've picked up some good wins too. I mean, they, they have already four power wins, I'll call them. I know Gonzaga not technically a power conference, but I'm calling it a power win. Because Gonzaga is a top 10 team. But you go out and beat two top 10 teams in this event and you don't just beat them you blow the doors off of them and pretty much left all doubt removed from the equation as well Gonzaga that game it looked like the Zags were were in control in the early stages of the game and then all of a sudden Purdue flipped a switch and then you blink and all of a sudden they're up double digits and I'll get to some Gonzaga stuff in just a little bit but um The win against Duke, particularly impressive. John Shire talked a little bit after the game about how Purdue has the most intriguing player and the most unique player in the country with Edie because it seemed like last year he was just tall, right? He was a product of just being the biggest dude on the floor at all times. But he wasn't even the most skilled big on his team. That belong to Travion Williams. And I thought this year the drop-off with Purdue was going to be pretty steep, given that you lose a, a very, very talented player in Jaden Ivy, a top-ten pick. And then you also lose Travion Williams, who was just a spectacular leader for this team, so good that he he pretty much demoted himself to the bench out of the betterment of the team. But he was like one of those point centers that this Purdue team had. And I was wondering, where was the facilitating going to come from with Purdue, well, everything's looking really good with Ethan Morton running the point. This season, he's got 30 assists to just 7 turnovers here. Um, I really like what I've seen out of Purdue. And I think we may have underestimated what they can be as a team. Right now, sitting at 6-0, and and they will take on a reeling Florida State team in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, but hitting the road for that one on the 30th, so on Wednesday. Um, but I, I, I think that Purdue, I, I don't have the latest AP poll quite yet, but I would imagine you will see Purdue inside the top 10 after what they just did. They were 24th in the country leading into the PK-85, and they exited with a pair of top 10 wins and a win over West Virginia. That, to me, screams top 10 team. If I'm going to play the, the true pinpoint guessing game here, I'll put them at, like, 7 Split the difference of the two teams that you beat, eight Duke, six Gonzaga. I'll roll with Purdue coming in at the number seven team in the country um, when the latest AP poll comes out. But, I mean, hey, it wouldn't shock me if they also got slotted at five based on the, the damage that they've done so far. The other big story to come out of PK-85 was North Carolina. And the Tar Heels losing not once, but twice. I'll get into the second game second, but the first game. So UNC enters this tournament as the number one team in the country, and then they lose from an absolute spectacular performance from Caleb Grill. He scores 31 points for Iowa State en route to the victory over the number one ranked Tar Heels. Iowa State ends up... Losing in the championship game to UConn. They got blown out in that championship. But I, I do like what I've seen out of Iowa State, and I really like what I've seen out of UConn as well. This is on the invitational side of the bracket. Now, UConn, maybe not the toughest of paths, but they did kind of like what Purdue did blow out every single team along the way. They beat Oregon by 24. I mean, Oregon, you gotta show up better in the Phil Knight Invitational. Um, but they beat Oregon by 24, 83-59. They crushed Alabama 82-67. to 67, And then they beat Iowa State, 71-53. They look like a pretty complete team right now. They're doing it on both sides of the basketball. They're scoring. You heard a lot of 80s there when I rattled off some of their scores. And then they're playing defense. A lot of scores, opponents being held in the 50s so far. So, UConn seems like a complete team. They're ranked 20 in the country. Would not shock me if we see them inside the top 10 after the week that they just had. But, my original point here was on North Carolina. And... They they lose to Iowa State on a hero ball game from Caleb Grill. Now, the funny thing with North Carolina was, even though they were the number one team in the country, the metrics in terms of like Ken Palm and stuff didn't love them. They entered the season as the ninth-ranked team in Ken Palm. Then they played a bunch of really close games. That dropped them all the way down to 17, leading into the PK-85. And now they sit at 21st after back-to-back losses, one to Iowa State, and then... Yesterday, a quadruple overtime thriller against Alabama, 103-101. But I look at some of the things, and Caleb loves efficiency, I think, is something that certainly comes to mind when you look at maybe why North Carolina struggled in the game against Alabama. He shoots the ball 36 times and Gets 34 points. The headline reads 34 points, but the behind-the-box score shows you 36 shots. And that's a lot to shoulder. You're not going to – I mean, he may not take 36 shots in the next two games combined. I don't know if that's – and I get it. It's a, it's a quadruple overtime game here. But he was chucking the ball – early and often in this one, too. Um, he had a 95 offensive rating on Ken Palm. That's not very good. That's below average. 100 is average. It's kind of like your OPS pluses, your ERA plus stats in baseball, um, where 100 is average, and then it's the, the percentiles over. But it really, I mean, Caleb Love was a guy who you win because of, and he's also a guy that you lose because of. At times, and we certainly saw that play out. Um, he did not shoot the ball well from three in the other game against Iowa State, one for seven from distance. He goes three for eleven from three against Alabama. I I really like. You're going to see North Carolina like they did in the NCAA tournament last year, win games because of Caleb Love. But you're also going to see games like these two where sometimes you lose games because Caleb Love doesn't have it that night. And you really need that consistency out of him. He's a junior now in your program. And you just want to see that level of consistency. One of the um, other things to, that I'm taking away too. Pete Nance. I, I think you're going to see much like what we saw with Brady Manic last year for North Carolina. You kind of go as that guy goes too. Um, Brady Manick was a guy who. He was that steadying senior force for that team last year. Pete Nance. I think you're going to see a lot of the same. He had 28 in the the win against Portland out there um, in the PK-85, which I'll get to Portland in a second because I actually, believe it or not, I have Portland thoughts. Who would have thought? I don't think I would, have, I would have come into the season thinking I would ever be talking about Portland, but I do have a couple of things I want to get out about Portland and the pilots. Um, but when he's good, the team's really good. You look at the, the game against um, against Portland. He was also good in, in the the win over James Madison, which I thought was a quality win for North Carolina, a game that I thought they would get tripped up in. Hey, I, I guess I predicted the, the North Carolina stumble a week too early. It happens at the PK-85. But really daunting stuff ahead for North Carolina, too, when you look at the schedule for them. So they have... Indiana in the Big Ten ACC Challenge on Wednesday. That's one of the marquee games of the entire event. Then you start uh, ACC play on the road at Virginia Tech. So that will certainly be an interesting game. I mean, it is not out of the question that the team who came into the season as the number one team in the country in North Carolina will go on a four-game losing streak. It would not shock me. If we see that out of UNC, so that to me is something to watch for. Um, the The offense has struggled to hit from three, 31 percent as a team. That's outside the top two hundred and fifty, and the defense has really struggled, especially early on in this season. But it, it looked a little bit better against Iowa State. But you got to check your guys. You got to check when when a guy's hot like Caleb Grill was. You got to make sure that stuff gets closed out on. Um, Gonzaga here. Here's an interesting Gonzaga team this year because they're not picked to be that mega power that they have been the last couple of years. Right now, they're sitting number one on Ken Palm in offense. However, the defense is as bad as we've seen it in quite some time. And that is going to be a real problem because they don't have the great guys on the perimeter, those those guys that can really disrupt on the perimeter defensively. They don't have uh, someone like they did last year with Chet, who was an absolute stalwart. But right now, Gonzaga is 51st in adjusted defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. That's the worst they've been since 2010, when they were ranked 63rd. So the defense is going to have to be much better. You look at the last couple of seasons, it's been top 10, top 15 defenses, and when you've got an offense as dynamic as Gonzaga has had, you're, you're always going to have a chance, especially when you play in the WCC. So, I, Listen, I'm not writing off Gonzaga by any stretch, and they do like to challenge themselves early on, uh, but you played in another close call against Xavier. And one thing I've noticed with Gonzaga is that they get out to some of these big leads on teams in the first half, right? They get out feeling good, but then they've had trouble putting some of these teams away. Like Purdue in the Purdue game, they were out to a – I don't remember the exact number, but they got out to a a lead early on against Purdue. And it felt like in the past, at least, whenever Gonzaga got out to a lead, they weren't going to surrender it, right? But – that Purdue game was a little bit different. And you saw them cough the lead up because usually you would actually see Gonzaga maybe go down early. Like Think about last year. I mean, even the the NCAA tournament game in the second round against Memphis, um, some games in the WCC tournaments, sometimes you see this team go down and then they find a gear in the second half where they just blitz a team out of the gate or they go on a run in the final five minutes of the game and put away teams. They don't have that gear this year, and I think part of that is some of the guard play is not as strong as it's been in years past. You don't have that steadying force at the guard position right now, Um, whether it's Nolan Hickman uh, or whoever's coming off the bench. it, It just has not felt the same, and it felt like in years past this team has had multiple guards that you felt confident in right now. I think you're you're a little shaky if you're Gonzaga from a, from a guard standpoint. We know this is a guards game, so I'm I'm not out on Gonzaga. They've got to test this Friday against Baylor. That's going to be a fun one to watch on a neutral site. But I do think this team has some work to do, and I think we could see them trip. Like the WCC is not going to be a cakewalk this year. You look at uh, the conference as a whole. I mean. Pepperdine or uh, not Pepperdine, uh, San Francisco is a top 100 team. Santa Clara is a top 100 team. BYU is a top 100 team. St. Mary's is a top 100 team. And how about the Portland Pilots, who right now sit at 103 on Ken Palm? But I would guess by the end of the year, you will see Portland as a top 100 team in Ken Palm. I remember their, their head coach, Shante Leggins. He was the head coach of Eastern Washington. And I remember my senior year of college, seeing Eastern Washington come to Syracuse for the opener. And I remember doing some of my research because I was calling and broadcasting the game, and I was researching on Leggins a little bit, and there was a lot of stuff about him being that next up-and-coming guy in the sport, in the coaching realms. What he showed in the PK-85 this weekend was nothing short of spectacular. You play a really close game. You nearly knock off North Carolina You had a lead on them. Nearly knocked off North Carolina. um, Lose to them 89-81. You beat Villanova by 12 points. That Villanova team, by the way, in a lot of danger right now. Um, And then you lose by one to Michigan State. Don't be surprised if you see Portland get in to the NCAA tournament this year. Um, Just the way that this team competes game to game. And again, their ticket in is in all likelihood going to have to come in the WCC tournament, but I could see them being a team that maybe catches a heater in champ week and then goes out, but keep Portland on your radar. Um, Maybe not this year, but for the years to come. And um, if you're a team that needs a new head coach, like, Don't be surprised if Shantae Leggins is that guy who makes the leap to a a Power 5 program next year because he's got a lot of steam right now, and he's got a pretty good team out in Portland. So really, really intrigued to watch them in the WCC. Again, I watch the WCC so you don't have to when we get to filling out our brackets in March. All right. Battle for Atlantis. How about Tennessee? What a weekend it was for the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, You beat Butler. Destroyed them, beat them by 26, 71-45. The defense looks fantastic as it is frequently for this Tennessee team. It's their calling card. Um, you beat USC in overtime, and then you beat the crap out of Kansas, 64-50 to in the championship game for the battle for Atlantis. This is the top-rated defense on Ken Palm right now, and a lot of people were pointing fingers early on because, oh, what happened in that Colorado game? Well... They have the this Tennessee team has flipped a switch and gotten back to to their ways of what we saw last season. Um, I, I really like Tennessee. They're a veteran group too, Santiago Vescovi, Zakai Ziegler, um, Tyreek Key is a guy that came over as well. He, he's a, a transfer from Indiana State who was really good um, in the in the valley. So I think Rick Barnes did a really good job of, of constructing this roster. And we'll see how it plays out because they, we've seen Tennessee stumble, but here's the thing about the battle for atlantis, and this is it is in my opinion, one of the best indicators of future success. A lot of times we'll see teams, let's say Maui. Maui, I think, is the perfect opposite of this, where team goes out, wins the Maui Invitational, but then they stumble a little bit, like maybe it's a it's a big Ten or an ACC team, and then they go out and play their big Ten ACC challenge game and flop. Like, we see that from time to time where you get this big bump from Maui, and then you struggle after that. The battle for Atlantis, I think, is a little bit different. I look at the, the recent champions. So going back to 2014, all right, you look at the winner of the battle for Atlantis. There's a really strong track record of them getting to the final four. Wisconsin. Won it in 2014. They played and lost to Duke in the national championship game. Syracuse won it in 2015. They make the miracle run as a 10 seed to the final four. Baylor wins it in 2016. They don't get to the final four, but they were a three seed, had themselves a nice season. Villanova won it in 2018 and then goes on to win the national title. Uh, That's later on that season. Uh, Virginia wins it in 2018 and then goes on to win the national title in 2019. That that like they they win it in the the fall of 2018, and then they win the title in the spring of 2019. Michigan won it, but then COVID struck. There was no event in 2020, and then last season Baylor won it and it ended up being a one seed and lost to the eventual national runners up in UNC. So if you count them up, one, two, three, four, four of the last six teams. To or rather, for the last seven teams have gone to the final four after winning Mau- or winning the battle for Atlantis, and the uh, one of the other teams was a one seed in the NCAA tournament. So, I think there's a really strong track record here. Don't be surprised if you see Tennessee get to the final four this year. And guess what? Uh, I always love the 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 way that the battle for Atlantis is spelled out. It's spelled out battle, and then the number four, Atlantis. So is that the the foreshadowing that we're seeing that in the battle for Atlantis, a team gets to the final four? Who's to say? Um, I'm just here trying to uncover some things. Um, lastly, let's get to Maui. Maui's always one of the fun events to watch. It did feel a little different this year. Um, no Bill Walton down in Maui. He was at the PK-85, and it was a, a very fun event, though. A very, very fun event because of the, the talent that was within uh, the walls at the La Highness Civic Center. First of all, the rims were, were as soft as ever. If you saw some of the bounces some of these guys were getting, it was impeccable. Now, Arizona goes out, wins it. They beat Creighton 81-79. These are two teams that I really like. Creighton plays a really fun brand of basketball. They, they've got a bunch of really talented players. I talked about Creighton a little bit with Kevin Sweeney too. They may have the best starting five in all of college basketball. Um, But the one thing that could hold them back is their defense. They don't force a lot of turnovers, and they let teams shoot the three on them. So as good as they are shooting the three, they also let teams shoot the three on them as well. I think I'm going to have Jehens Maniga on the show at some point, former Creighton Blue Jay. Played with Doug McDermott on all those teams in the Valley, and then as part of the transition to the Big East. um, Because he... He has some really good insight on Creighton and what's going on with the program. Um, and they're a team that I like to get to the Final Four this year. So I think I am going to talk to to Jahans at some point because um, he's got some great insight on this Creighton team. But let's talk a little bit about Arizona now because the thing about Arizona is... They are a high-flying team. They're the number three offense in the country, and they do it because they play at the fastest pace of any team in the country right now. If you don't have your track shoes on, you're not going to hang with Arizona. And you're going to have to find a team that can play a different style of ball and slow the game down a little bit. And I look at Arizona as a team that perennially has an anchor big man. And boy do they have that anchor with Omar Balo. Thirty points and thirteen rebounds in the championship game of Maui. He is he is a physical force down low, and you kind of have a twofer in terms of bigs, because also Azulas Tabela six foot eleven, there's plenty of size on this Arizona team, and we know size goes a long way within the confines of the Pac-12. But there's also good guard play, too, with Courtney Ramey, a guy who transferred from Texas. He was finally eligible, shot the lights out from three, 10 of 16 from three, to start the season for him in his first three games. That's going to be a really key piece, and getting Ramey back for this Maui Invitational was certainly something that... Uh, Tommy Lloyd and company really really needed um, not to say that they they really struggled in their first couple games, but you went out and beat some really good teams you, you beat Cincinnati pretty handily. Then you, you beat San Diego State by 17 that game was close for a little bit and then the, the Wildcats just kind of pulled away. And then even though the final score was a, a final margin of two Creighton did go on a 7-0 run down the stretch to close out the game. Um, Arizona was in control of this game against Creighton for the most part, even though the Blue Jays covered the spread, Arizona, I think dominated the basketball game and they've got a bunch of really fun. I mean, Kirk Creesa a guy who can shoot 50% from three. I mean, he can shoot 70% from three, one game, and then 10% from three, the next game. It's kind of like I was saying with Caleb love, He's a guy who can win you games, and he can also be a reason why you lose. But I think bringing in Courtney Ramey is going to take some of that pressure off of him from feeling like he has to do it all every single game. Um, but I like Arizona a lot this season. Now, they start Pac-12 play against Utah on Wednesday. Um, the Pac, they've got a 2 for in the Pac-12 this week. They've got the Utah and then uh, California at home this week. So I can't believe it, but Pac-12 play is here. I'm looking at... Some of the the intriguing teams that could I think could match up well against Arizona. And this is the one that caught my eye. A non-conference uh, game, home game that they play against Tennessee on December 17th. So two weeks from this Saturday. They play Tennessee at home in Tucson. Tennessee, as I mentioned earlier, the number one defense in the country. Meanwhile, Arizona, they're a team that struggles defensively. 44th in the country. I think Tennessee is the type of team that could slow the game down against Arizona, make them play their style of basketball and really slow things down and take away some possessions, shorten the game up a little bit. But we're going to have to to watch it. Uh, I'm really excited for that game. We've got two weeks till it comes. But uh, just getting out ahead of some things here, as we like to do here on Basketball U. But that is going to be a fantastic matchup between those two teams. All right, time for some picks with Brian Hanley. We do this every single week here on Basketball U. And this time around, we're going to make it wrapped around the Big Ten ACC Challenge since... We got some news earlier today, Brian, that this is going to be the final Big Ten ACC Challenge. How about this? The first move of the, the new Bob Iger era with Disney is getting rid of the Big Ten ACC Challenge and instituting the, uh, the SEC ACC Challenge.
1: Yeah, God bless Bob. Um, apparently he had uh, seen some ACC games this, this year so far. Don't know what to make of the, uh, the bottom of the ACC. Well, I do know what to make. Not very good. And now North Carolina, everyone loved UNC. And uh, one week later, maybe not so much.
0: Yeah, I, I picked my my upset for the Tar Heels a week too early. But um, obviously the big reason here, TV and with the SEC now aligning itself with ESPN more so, especially on the football side of things coming up and with the Big Ten, their rights were were up for for bid this past cycle and they're going to be moving off uh, of eight, of ESPN. So certainly that's the motive here behind everything. But this has always been a fun event. Um, I'm sure you've covered quite a few of them. I've, I've been a part of a, a few of them as well. It's fun to see these matchups, but I think regionally, the SEC and the ACC, the challenge Makes much there, more sense. Yes, yeah.
1: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's tough when you start looking at some of these matchups and One of the games we'll get to, Rutgers-Miami might be one of the most competitive games, but does anyone really care? Right, exactly. So it's just when you start looking geographically, uh, I think we're pretty provincial in the uh, Midwest, and it's like just get to the Big Ten season and uh, we're good, even though there are a couple of marquee matchups that, you know, we'll we'll get some answers or or more clarity on, on what these teams are all about.
0: For sure. All right, let's get into it here. It all starts tonight, and Minnesota and Virginia Tech kick things off. Virginia Tech off to a nice start at 6-1. and one. They are the home team against Minnesota. Oh, by the way, let's recap some of our, our points from the last time we made some picks. Must uh, we? <laughs> we we didn't do awful. Um, I I picked up eight points. You picked up five. You get two points for a spread pick, uh, one for a straight up pick, and three if you pick an upset. We each whiffed on our upsets. Oh, um, so close! I mean, I was yours was much so closer good. than mine. Yeah,
1: I was feeling so good about Xavier uh, at hosting Indiana right till the end. Yep, and. and, and you did pick up the points though on the spread there.
0: We both did. We liked Xavier with the two and a half, thanks to some missed missed free throws. We did get that, so uh, not a bad start for us. But let's get into to this. Unfortunately,
1: week. when I bet it, Tyler, it was one and a half. Oh,
0: that, that's <laughs> it's funny because it moved from like I think when I woke up that morning it was one and a half. Then when we recorded it was two and a half, yep. and then I think it ended. It closed at two. So depending on the number you got, you either won, you pushed, or you lost. So you you hit the 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 hat trick. I'll take
1: the point, but I lost a little uh, few (laughs) bucks on
0: that. That's all right. Um, So this since this is just going to be a straight up version here we will be getting one point apiece we've got 14 different matchups nc state by the way draws the, the short straw here they are sitting out of the challenge they will boy face, acc uh, might
1: want to have them representing because they're, they're they've been pretty off, solid so far off
0: to a six and one start did solid in in their feast week tournament as well um all right so minnesota on the road to take on virginia tech who are you rolling with in this matchup
1: boy um The total is 127.5, and the way these two teams have been going, they might not get to 100. Um, I would take the under in that game, but um, Jameson Battle, is he going to start percolating for Minnesota? Because it's been, uh, to the two games he's been in there, 9 of 32 from the field coming off uh, foot surgery. I I think he's going to start finding his stroke a little bit there, so I'm going to roll with uh, Minnesota on this one.
0: All right, you're going to take Minnesota, um, and they've got your old friend Dawson Garcia there as well. Um, I know
1: it's eleven and a half points; and it's a huge spread, but you know, maybe a little surprise party here.
0: Yeah, I, I'm going to roll with uh, Virginia Tech here. They, they've been really good to start the season, one of the most efficient offenses. But I like what you brought up there about the um, the, the total. I think that game certainly has a lot of under potential. Both of these teams outside the top three twenty. In terms of average possession length, so well, how
1: about Virginia Tech? I mean, they were making forty-four, almost forty-five percent of their threes the first three games. Last three, 224 percent,
0: and, and it sits right in the middle. They're a top one hundred shooting team from three, but you you see the way that they they can it's be trending hot or cold. wrong, yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly, yep. Uh, but they do take care of the basketball, um, so that's something to to look for as well. All right, one that is close to us here, and that is the Northwestern Wildcats hosting the Pitt Panthers. Uh, Northwestern actually off to a a solid start for uh, a Northwestern team. Um, But right now they are um, five and one and looking a little bit better, especially on the defensive side of the basketball, top 10 defense, according to Ken Palm's efficiency metrics. But who do you like here, Northwestern or Pitt?
1: Uh, I like Northwestern. I still really don't know what Chris Collins has there. And he better figure it out because I think this is the year they're going to figure out Chris Collins one way or the other up in Evanston. So, I know he had to sit down with the AD before the season, and they—I don't know that he was told anything, but I think he knows what the season means to him. Um, I the Auburn the the, the Auburn by a point was uh, you know obviously a, a good loss if there is such a thing, and um, but their shooting is they're defensively they're they're great, offensively uh, not so much. So, but Pitt. Pitt is showing up at halftime. It's like they get off the bus at halftime and play in the second half. I'll take Northwestern here.
0: I'll roll with Northwestern as well. They're the home team here. And how about this? A matchup of two of the the unlucky Coach K assistants that maybe were (laughs) pegged for the job once upon a time, and Jeff Capel, and then on the other side with Chris Collins. And what do you know? It's John Shire now leading the the Duke Blue Devils.
1: Yeah, it's... um, you know, and, And I will say this, that Pitt is... Really had a, a tough non-conference schedule and kind of paid the price for it. So maybe that pays off uh, further into the season. But right now, I think Northwestern should be able to handle it.
0: All right, two teams with inverse records now as we move to the Tuesday matchups. Each of those last two were, were Mondays. These are for tomorrow, Tuesday. You've got the 6-0 and Maryland Terrapins taking on the 0-6 Louisville Cardinals. I, I, Kenny Payne, you- what, what, a, what a start it's been for him. Um, but this, um, this game is going to be played at the yum center, but Brian, I don't see Louisville picking up their first victory of the season against a, a solid Maryland team.
1: Did you ever think in your lifetime, uh, Tyler, you would say Louisville zero and six, you know, I mean, it,
0: it was cute to start, right? The three one point losses. And then, I mean, you lose 80 to 54 to Arkansas, 70 to 38 to Texas tech and 81 to 62. I thought they should have left Kenny Payne on the Island. Out out in Maui. All right. (laughs) That's what I was calling for. They could
1: have voted them off the island. (laughs)
0: Yes. I'm sure a lot of uh, Louisville fans uh, uh, are feeling that way. But right now, Louisville ranked 171 in Ken Palm right now. Nothing going right for them. Uh, They're one of the worst teams in terms of taking care of the basketball. And I think Maryland handles them pretty easily.
1: Yeah, somewhere Rick Pitino's got a big smile on his face. Um, yeah, rolling with Maryland. All right,
0: next game we've got. This is actually a pretty good one here. Penn State taking on Clemson in a, a 6 o'clock matchup here on ESPNU. Who do you like between the Nittany Lions traveling down to Clemson, South Carolina?
1: Um, you know, it is on the road, but uh, even with that being the case, Penn State 6-1, 33 in Ken Palm, uh, Clemson, Doubling that down to 66, uh, going the wrong way. I'll take Penn State.
0: Uh, I, I'm i actually going gonna, gonna to roll with Clemson here. I think this is going to be one of the the few wins the ACC actually picks up here. They're the home team in this matchup, and uh, this Clemson team takes care of the basketball pretty well, and they're a solid shooting team. So I'm going to differ from you there. I think that's our first differing of – or no, that's our second differing of opinion. No, because I so was far. dumb
1: enough to take Minnesota.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that, that's what we've got there. I, I'm going to roll with Clemson. In this matchup here, a game that I will actually be in attendance for—that oh, is go. my Syracuse Orange heading down to Champaign to take on the Illinois Fighting Illini. Six thirty tip, local time here between the Orange and the Illinois Fighting Illini. I think uh, Syracuse um, has done a better job of slapping players than slapping the floor so far this year oh, because boy. of the way that they've played defense. But uh, who do you like here between Illinois? And, and Syracuse.
1: Well, a tip of the cap uh, to the Illini for what they got done in Vegas. And um, I, I, I didn't think they were going to be that dominant, but they were. So uh, that the crowd down in Champaign is going to be rocking and rolling. Uh, you're orange, 3-3. Three and three. Um, I can't see Syracuse pulling this one off. I'll take uh, Brad Underwood and the Illini.
0: You know, these are the type of dumb games that Syracuse wins. And Ooh. for that reason, I'm going to pick them. Um, they, I remember uh, So they, they're coming off a loss against Bryant they've also lost to Colgate this year they blew a giant lead to St. John's as well. Mm-hmm. It's been tough but I've seen this before where these are the games that kind of rope Syracuse fans back in a road victory in the Big 10 ACC Challenge. I remember my senior year of college, they did it against a top 25 Ohio State team. I think they could do it against Illinois as well. Illinois
1: looking ahead to the Big 10 season too or Perhaps that as well. And
0: also this is an Illinois team that does not do a good job of taking care of the basketball. They're outside the top 300 in turnover percentage and you go up against an unorthodox defense like Syracuse has in the 2-3 zone. That could cause some problems for the Fighting Illini, so I will actually take Syracuse in this matchup of these two uh, teams uh, of Orange and Blue uh, supremacy. So, moving on to the nightcaps here, Georgia Tech and Iowa. Georgia Tech on the road for this one. Iowa at five and one. Georgia Tech at four and two. Who do you like in this matchup, Brian?
1: Um, You know what, Iowa. That's always that was one of the toughest places to play forever in the Big Ten. Georgia Tech, I, I don't know really what to make uh, of the Ramblin' wreck. Uh, again, I just don't think the conference is all that big and all that good. Um, so right now they're 4-2, and, and I think that's even a little bit of a smoke and mirror thing. I don't think they're very good, so I'm going with the Hawkeyes.
0: I'm with you there. I, I like the start that, that Chris Murray has put together. And Iowa coming off of a, a loss to TCU, but I, I do still like uh, what the Hawkeyes bring to the table here. I think they're a pretty solid team and one that could make some noise in, in the Big Ten as well this season. Wake Forest, 6-1, and one, checking into Madison against the Wisconsin Badgers at 5-1. and one. This is one of the uh, 8 o'clock tips on ESPNU. Who do you like between the Badgers and the uh, Wake Forest Demon Deacons?
1: Well, again, uh, I'm going with the, the home court, and that Wisconsin's always been a very tough place to play um, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the um, the home cooking will maybe uh, influence the officiating down the stretch. So give me the uh, Badgers.
0: Yeah, and Wisconsin comes in with a really, really good defense. Wake Forest doesn't really do anything very well. Um, Wisconsin, on the other hand, I think they, they do a good job of, of taking care of the ball. I like what I've seen out of Chucky Hepburn as their point guard this year so far, so I will match it there and take Wisconsin. Uh, the nightcap, this is a good one. Virginia, who has shot way up the rankings and done a very, very nice job this season, is traveling to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan. This is really the first great game that we're going to see in this challenge. But who do you like, Virginia, on the road to take on Michigan?
1: Uh, I think Virginia's the, the goods, and I think they're going to um, really make some noise throughout the season, so I'm going uh, Virginia, and, and Michigan's a, a good team, not a great team, and maybe that changes as the season goes on, but I'll take a Virginia because they look like they're going to start rolling through here.
0: I, I think that Virginia has been the most impressive start to the season of any team. You look at the neutral site wins they had, They they beat Baylor, they handle Illinois, um, they have done a really, really fine job so far with Tony Bennett, and in a conference where there aren't a lot of bright spots so far, the the Cavaliers certainly have been one of them. And I think they also take care of business against uh, the Michigan Wolverines as well before they start ACC play. So, give me the the Virginia Cavaliers in that one. All right, on to Wednesday. This is the, the best day of games within the, the challenge here. Ohio State taking on Duke, six fifteen tip on ESPN on Wednesday. I, I'm really excited for this game. I know Duke coming off of a tough loss and maybe a, a Big Ten ACC Challenge preview uh, when they lost to Purdue the other day. But I think this is a good bounce-back spot for Duke at home against Ohio State. But who do you like here?
1: Well, I, I absolutely like the Blue Devils here. I mean, for one thing, Ohio State really struggles to to put uh, the ball in the hoop. And so when you're sitting there with Duke, 50th team, 49th team, and points scored in, in Ohio State, you got to go way, way down the list of 200. Um, and and it, it's just, it's interesting because the, the, the points scored, Duke uh, is averaging 70.8 points. Ohio State, that's what I had in verse there. Ohio State's 79.3. But I think the the home floor and John Shire's got, this team's got to get its footing sooner than later. So I'm just going to go with the Blue Devils uh, in this one.
0: I like it too. I like it particularly from a size aspect as well. Duke's got two seven-footers. And on the other side, Ohio State's really not going to roll anyone out there above six foot eight. So I like the, the size advantage that Duke has. And I think Kyle Filipowski, one of the freshmen for Duke, one of the bigs has emerged as a guy who could be a top five, seven pick in the NBA draft this year. Seven footer can stretch it out from three as well. Um, I like Duke and I think Filipowski could be a big reason why. In Duke this better
1: one. make its free throws in that game. That's because- true. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to leave those points off the board from the line, uh, then it's going to go the other way.
0: Which we have seen a number of times from Duke, especially in some early season games. So right now shooting under 75% from the free throw line. That's 82nd in the country right now. Purdue, another one of the teams that's most impressive. I haven't seen the latest AP polls as of us recording this, but uh, I said a little bit earlier uh, that Virginia has been one of the more impressive starts to any team. Purdue also would not shock me to see them in the top 10. You see some people placing their ballots, and they've got Purdue as the number one team in the country after what happened with UNC over the weekend and after uh, Houston had a close call against Kent State as well. So some people like Purdue to get some first-place votes this week, but they travel to Florida State, a Florida State team that is not what Florida State has been in the ACC traditionally. Right now, sitting at 1-7, but Florida State-Purdue, I think Purdue rolls them.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, first of all, just what they've done. I feel much better about the Marquette loss at Purdue. Uh, yeah, a game that Marquette but, really controlled for a good absolutely portion of it. up until the final five minutes. And and what they did against Gonzaga and Duke, and and Zach Eadie doing what he does, an MVP of the the um, Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. But it's not just a one man band there, right? Fletcher right. Lawyer has been really good, really good, mm-hmm. and uh, Caleb First coming in off the bench is is really helped out too. So. Um, Matt Painter's got this team going, and you know as much as Zach Eady presents uh, presents such matchup problems for anybody because he's unique. Um, it, again, it's just not Eady and Purdue. They, they got to be top five when this say people poll comes out, and I would understand why some people would put them at the top of their ballot. So yeah, this one won't be close.
0: Yeah, they do a really good job too of of just replenishing. I mean, who would have thought that this Purdue team? Loses a top 10 pick in Jaden Ivey from a season ago. And then on top of that, also loses Trevion Williams, who was kind of the heartbeat, a point center for this team. And what do you know? Zach Eadie is looking like a, a player of the year candidate. And you, you replace in the backcourt with Ethan Morton, um, and he's been able to to do a good job of facilitating. A six foot seven guy who can handle the ball has a, a thirty to seven assist to turnover ratio right now. Uh, one of the highest assist rates in the entire country. I, I really like the way that Matt Painter has constructed this team. However, I will say this is a Florida State team on the other side that kind of constructs itself similar to Purdue. They like to to match height. They like to to get some of the biggest guys. Some of the uh, just athletic specimens on the other side and in fact Zach Eady is going to be just as tall as the center on the other side of this one for Florida State and naheem McLeod, who is also seven foot four. However, Florida State I don't think has quite the depth that Purdue does, and as a result of that I think Purdue outlasts them.
1: Well, only if, if Purdue starts, you know, feeling itself a little bit and get back to campus. Everyone tells them how great they are, and you know, Matt Painter's got to kind of keep their focus because they could look at that one in seven Florida State record and it's just like, "Oh, we just have to show up." And I don't think that group la- lacks that kind of uh, focus. I think they're they're all business. So I don't expect that to be the case, but it does happen in college basketball.
0: I will say, while I'm picking Purdue, that's a trap game. I really yep. do. On the yep. road, you, like you said, you may be feeling yourself a little bit, and this is a team that can match you size wise, which has been one of your biggest advantages so far this season. You heard John Shire talk a little bit about it after the Duke loss to. Purdue, but that's I think gonna be a good game. I, I I don't think it's going to be like I'm looking right now, we don't have lines for this one yet, but Ken Palm is projecting a thirteen point Purdue loss. I would probably take Florida State with the points whenever that line ends up coming out. A Purdue Especially, win. A
1: thirteen point. A thirteen Purdue point win. Purdue win, yeah. yes, correct.
0: Yeah. Um yeah. my bad. My bad there. Um but uh yeah, I'd imagine it's probably gonna be a double digit spread, but I would be comfortable taking Florida State with the points in that mm. game. Um, next up, Rutgers Miami, a, a game that you touched on a little bit earlier. Um, but this is two of the the more evenly matched teams that you'll see within this challenge so far. Uh, Miami off to a nice start right now at six and one. They take on Rutgers, um, who comes into this game looking like a solid team themselves. But who do you like at this with this game taking place down in Coral Gables?
1: You know that that's going to be a problem for Rutgers, but Rutgers does a much better. Job on the boards than Miami does has done to this point, um, so they're averaging, you know, about seven, eight more rebounds than um, than Miami. So I, I'm going to say that the, in a, a a tough defensive game, that the team that uh, gets second chance opportunities and and also can take the the ball off the the rim and go the other way, I'll uh, I'll take Rutgers in this one.
0: I'm going to join you there, Rutgers with the best three point shooting defense in the country right now. Opponents are hitting just 18% from three. Now, you have to look at the competition. They have not played a top 100 team outside of Temple, and that is their lone loss of the season. But um, I, I I do trust the track record of Steve Peichel and their defensive philosophies. So I'm going to join you there, take Rutgers to pick up a road victory. Uh, next up, this is probably the marquee matchup of the entire challenge this year, and that is UNC on the road to Assembly Hall to take on Indiana. UNC coming off of that tough week. um, I thought this was going to be a game where you might get a battle of two undefeated teams heading into this one, and I would have really liked UNC to go in and and actually lose that game. I I think that Indiana could have taken advantage, but I think maybe the the Tar Heels now with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I kind of like Carolina to win this game and rebound after a tough stretch out at the PK-85.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on this because, look, it's it's been a pretty significant decline in one week, and even in wins when you're giving up 86 points to Charleston and you barely beat Gardner-Webb, that's not good, and I think this team um, probably was feeling itself a little bit, and I think they're going to regroup, and even though – the the place gonna be rocking in Bloomington. I think they, they North Carolina is gonna get its focus back here, and they'll win a close one. And it'll be I mean it'll be a very good win for them because you know I thought IU was gonna to lose to Xavier, and obviously their their record's unblemished. And um, it'll really say something if they knock off UNC. But I think uh, the Tar Heels will find a way.
0: You look at it too. Indiana did not have a feast week tournament. They they only played a couple of home games during the week. Uh, against Little Rock and then another against Jackson State, uh, a Jackson State team, by the way, which is led by none other than, than Mo Williams. So how about Jackson State head football coach? Deion Sanders head basketball coaches, Mo Williams. <laughs> so they, they've got some some deep pockets there for the coaching staff. But um, I look at this game like Indiana hasn't really challenged themselves yet. Now, that's going to change. When you look at the schedule ahead for them, obviously they've got uh, Big Ten play kicking off later this week. They go on the road to take on Rutgers, which will be a tough game. And then later on in December, you face Arizona on a neutral site, and then you go on the road to take on Kansas. So there are challenges, and then obviously you have the, the Big Ten ACC and the Gavit games baked into it. This is an Indiana team that hasn't really been challenged yet, but they will be challenged down the road, and this could be one of those really big challenges er, early on. So that's why I'm going to roll with Carolina there um, in this one. All right, next up, we've got Michigan State on the road to take on Notre Dame. I think this will be a a solid matchup as well. Notre Dame really hasn't played a, a whole heck of a lot of challenging opponents so far nobody within the top 100 they are coming off of a loss on a neutral site to St. Bonaventure meanwhile Michigan State it has been nothing but challenges to open up the season I like Michigan State to pick off the road win here though
1: yeah the only problem is um, Lee calls out with a stress uh, stress reaction in his left foot the good news no surgery and Atkins is also out and um you know that that's significant when you lose your start, one of your starting guards in Atkins you know, and, and also Malik has been playing 32 minutes um, a game. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to readjust here. That would be the only concern that I have, but I'm with you. I think uh, Sparty finds a way.
0: Yeah, Malik Hall, one of the guys who's especially been clutch. So if this does come down to a close game, he's been one of those guys that has been really good in those late game situations uh, with some of the ATOs that, that Tom Izzo has drawn up. But um, again, Notre Dame's kind of what Notre Dame's been, uh, a very short rotation. They play six guys, um, and while there's a lot of familiar names there and there is a little bit of of young promise on this Notre Dame team, I I do like Michigan State, but Notre Dame is a team that um, I think will pull off some significant wins this year, but I don't think this is going to be one of them going up against Michigan State. All right, The only
1: sure thing in that game is Mike Bray will have a mock turtleneck. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep, it, he, he uses two things, right? It's he goes down to Maui and loves to put his Leia and Hawaiian shirt on, and then mm-hmm. he has the the mock turtleneck for the home games.
1: It's very simple the wardrobe, makes yep. it easy to shop. Exactly.
0: Um, last one here. I always point to one game every single year as the loser of this game should be relegated out of the power five. (laughs) And this is that game for me this year. It usually features one of these two teams. I can remember quite a few Boston college Northwestern games where I was saying that, but this one, Boston college on the road to take on Nebraska. Um, Don't watch this game. Uh, Just don't. I think that that's the the best advice I can give anyone. But uh, who do you think takes this one uh, between BC and Nebraska?
1: Well, uh, news break. Uh, Matt Rule is going to coach the basketball team too. Right, they got to get so, their
0: money's worth, right?
1: Yeah, um, boy, it's um, yeah. This is one where you make your eyes bleed if he actually. He will was...
0: speak at this game. Like I'm guessing, right? Like, oh, sure. Th- this yeah. is what happens. You get well, hired, and then you 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 uh, speak at the first home basketball game right after.
1: What do you get? Like a ten year contract or eight year? I think contract it was eight. Yeah, eight years For a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got to earn that money. So you become, you know, the uh, you become the featured speaker for the basketball team too. Uh boy, this is this is just it's it's brutal. Um, if I had to flip a coin, I, I would probably go with Nebraska because they're at home. But uh, again, this this game might not break a hundred points. Yeah. I mean, two of the
0: worst offenses, BC outside the top two hundred in efficiency. Nebraska sitting at one twenty three. I mean, do we just skip the pick? <laughs> I'm cool skipping the pick here. Nobody I, I mean, wins here. Nobody yeah, wins by paper, doing this Paper, rock, one. <laughs>
1: scissors, and I'm coming up with Nebraska. I just, If I have to pick, I'll just go. The Matt Rule might actually drop a play or two for the <laughs> basketball team.
0: Well, I don't know if that's a good thing. So maybe I'll take the other side <laughs> and take Boston College in this one. I do work with Tom Waddle after all. So there you go. Uh, I'll, I'll take BC this one just to go opposite you. If he watches
1: this game, I'll be, you know. I'll be disappointed.
0: <laughs> I don't know if he could find ESPNU on on his television. That might be the challenge, the biggest challenge <laughs> for him. he will
1: be watching the Blackhawks. Right, exactly. He'll be, we love watching hockey. Exactly.
0: All right. Uh, so that's the Big Ten ACC challenge. There, the last Big Ten ACC challenge. Ted Phillips, or, or rather, uh, Jim Phillips, I should say, with one final parting shot before he he takes over the Bears. Right. Uh, get, getting out of the the Big Ten ACC challenge and getting the ACC into the SEC challenge. So one last little thing before Jim. Phillips takes over the Bears,
1: right? I remember Jim Phillips when he was a grad assistant on Lou Henson's teams that I covered back on my first beat at the Sun-Times. I've known Jim for a long time. No one's more quality than Jim Phillips, and all the great success that he's had at every stop and at every level doesn't surprise me. He's just one of the, the classiest guys you'll ever meet. So anything Jim does is good in my world.
0: All right. Well, that's the, that's all the endorsement we need here on Basketball U for Jim Phillips as uh, the commissioner of the ACC. And I think he he made this. Well, it's going to hurt the nostalgia for some. I think he made the smart move here, getting getting into to wraps with the the SEC for this basketball challenge because that's a conference that's certainly been on the rise, and I wouldn't expect that to stop anytime soon. Brian, thanks so much for joining me. We will pick some more games next week. All right. My pleasure, Tyler.